Our series is called Life Inc. I got the idea because tattoos have become big again, or body art, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we've been talking about things that mark us for life. On Mother's Day, we talked about beauty marks because there are people that we encounter in life who leave beautiful marks on our inner person. And then last week, we talked about scar tissue because some of the marks that get left on us are pretty ugly. And we talked about how the sometimes healing wrong from the bad things that can happen to us uh, can be actually worse for us than the bad things that happen. So we talked last week about healing right. But today, the message is called Hidden. I have friends who have tattoos, but you would never know it if they were dressed the way they normally dress because the tattoos are above the sleeve line or maybe behind the collar. There are corporations that require, if you have a tattoo, that it be hidden so that no one can see it when you're in office attire. Well, of course, you know I'm not here to talk about the actual ink that's on people's skin. I'm talking about the things that mark us, our inner person, for life. And just as there are people who have hidden things tattooed on their skin, all of us have some markings that people or circumstances have left on us that are hidden. Other people don't know that they're there. We sort of function through life like nothing is wrong, but we know where it is. You know, if you have a hidden tattoo, uh, other people may not see it, but you see it. You see it when you get into the shower. You see it when you get up in the morning and dress or when you undress for bed. You see that tattoo. You know it's there. Maybe no one else knows, but you know it's there. And many of us have marks on us in life that we keep from other people. We have the fear that if anybody knew how we were marked, maybe they would discount us as a person. Or maybe it's just too painful to go there. I've known people who had a loved one die in their family, and they just closed off the room, the, the room, their bedroom. They just closed it off and never went in that room. Nobody opened that door. And I know people like that who have markings in their inner person. It's like a room in a house that nobody ever visits. And somebody could say, well, Mark, is it important? It's very important. You know, there are people today who want to get tattoos removed. I understand that tattoo removal is a big business today. And I, I can't speak to this scientifically, but from what I've read, my understanding is that the cost of getting a tattoo removed is, is substantially higher than having a tattoo put on. Isn't, like, isn't there like so many things in life that are easy to, easier to get into than to get out of? And I've even heard that it's like 10 to 1, the ratio of cost of having a tattoo removed and having it put on. Today, though, I want to talk to you about how to get those hidden tattoos on your spirit removed. Why is that important? Well, here, here's, where, here's where it goes. And this is what I've been thinking and praying about for quite some time in getting ready for this message. When you have something hidden and it governs your life, people can never figure you out. Or let's just put it on other people that you have to deal with. If they have something hidden and it governs them, and you don't know what it is, you're always scratching your head trying to figure out why is this person doing what he's doing or why is this woman doing what she's doing. That's true with all hidden markings, good or bad. I thought about some people in the Bible. Esther, remember her? the Jewish girl who wound up queen in Persia, and she couldn't tell anybody she was Jewish. It was like she had a hidden tattoo on her that had the Star of David. And if you read the book of Esther for a long time, people were trying to figure her out. But there was something governing her life that was hidden. And not until it was revealed were people able to figure her out. Nicodemus 
was a follower of Jesus, but he kept it hidden for a while. But at the death of Jesus, he came out and, and buried the body of Jesus. Those are a couple of good examples. But it also works the other way. You know, if you have something hidden that you can't tell anybody about, or maybe a room in your life that you don't visit, but it's so powerful in your life, you know, people are always scratching their heads trying to figure out, why are you doing what you're doing? Because this motivation that you have hidden is not available to anybody else. And what happens at that point is we often are angry at ourselves because something hidden is hurting, and we're angry at other people because they're reacting to us as though we're crazy, and we're stressing because deep inside we have a hidden pain or something that is hurting us. So what do we need to learn about that today? How do we get rid of those things? How do we deal with those things that are hidden and hurting? How do we deal with those things that are below the surface and cause us to act in peculiar ways and people can't figure it out? And somebody could say, well, again, Mark, I just don't know that it's all that important. Yes, someone did something to me when I was five years old and it's in the past and I block it out and I don't go there anymore. And I don't know that there's any, any benefit in going back and thinking about it and dealing with it. I just keep it hidden. I keep it suppressed. Well, chances are it's having more of an effect in your life than you, than you realize. I talked to a lady this week, just a godly lady who came from a wonderful home. And she told me a story. She said when she was growing up, her father would never touch, would never hug. And she grew up wondering, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't my father love me? She believed that he did because... He would communicate his love in other ways, but it was like there was never a touch, there was never a hug, there was never any physical expression of affection. And she grew up wondering, what's wrong with me? But in adulthood, this lady found out that her mother had been molested by her own father. And her mother had read the riot act to her husband that, don't you touch my daughter. You see what I'm talking about? I mean, all the time, this, this lady grew up thinking something is wrong with me. And her mother was a wonderful woman, but there was a hidden marking, and it was governing her actions, and it left people scratching their heads as if to say, what's going on here? And my guess is all of us have some of this going on in our lives. How do we deal with it? Well, I want to take you to the Gospel of Mark, which is one of the books of the Bible that tells the story of Jesus, in the fifth chapter, and I want to read you one of the most bizarre stories in all the Bible. And maybe at first when I read this story, you're going to wonder, why is Mark using this story to talk to us about the things that are hidden in our lives? When I get through, I want to show you three very powerful lessons that we draw from it. But again, I have to tell you, growing up, listening to the stories of Jesus, this one was always, I thought, the most bizarre. So are you ready for it? Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling, and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. 
Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter into them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of a thousand pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lakes and drowned into the water. This really freaked the animal rights people out, wouldn't it? Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And there's more to the story that we'll tackle someday. But I want to just touch on the part that we read. Now, you, you see now why I said this is a bizarre story? Jesus goes into this place, and there's a guy who's living in the cemetery. Now, that's pretty rough right there. A lot of places to live, but I wouldn't want to live in the cemetery. He was living where dead people were buried, and he was out of control. At night, he would run shrieking through the graveyard, and it would just upset everybody in the town. Nobody could sleep, and nobody knew what to do with him. And Jesus came along, and the odd part of the story is that Jesus begins to dialogue with kind of the spokesman demon that's inside of this guy. And Jesus casts the, the demons out, and there were many of them. We, we don't know how many there were. It's unusual, I would think, for people to be possessed by multiple demonic spirits. But this spokesman demon said that they were called legion because there were many. We don't know exactly how many demon spirits were in this guy. A le Roman legion was about 6,000 soldiers. And there were a thousand pigs that ran down the hill, but I don't know what to make of that. We just know that this guy had an infestation of multiple, multiple demonic spirits in him. But the point that I want to get to, the three points that really that I want to get to are, are, are back from that. Because all of us who have things hidden with us today have issues that are far short of this guy. I mean, many of us are dealing with some pain someone did to us, or anger that's been unresolved, or some sort of guilt, or maybe a pattern of sin in our lives that's plaguing us. None of us are dealing with the kind of stuff this guy was dealing with, but we're learning some lessons from what happened in this exchange between Jesus and this man. Let me give you three lessons that I pick up on, and here's the first one. We get it wrong most of the time. I think the people in this town had no idea that this guy was all messed up on the inside spiritually. I don't know what they thought about him, but it was Jesus who knew exactly what it was. And I think in dealing with the people in my life, I get it wrong most of the time because I tend to focus on the external behavior and I don't know what's in the heart. When David was anointed king by the prophet Samuel, before David was anointed, Samuel the prophet wanted to anoint David's oldest brother who was tall and good-looking. God said to Samuel, don't look on the outside. I judge people on the heart. Why did God say that? God said it because it's, the, it's what's on the inside that really is motivating us. Many times I get it wrong, and I bet you get it wrong too. Maybe you work with somebody and you think that person is just a jerk. That person is just a difficult person to work with. But often 
We don't know what's going on on the inside. The second lesson that I draw from this is when you try to fix the outside and the problems on the inside, it doesn't work. This guy who was running shrieking through the graveyard, the people in the town, they thought the way to handle him was to put chains on him and bind him. And they figured that if they could deal with the external symptoms of his problem, then they would get some peace and quiet. But every time they did, he broke through the chains. A lot of us are dealing with somebody who's got a hidden marking on their spirit. And we say to ourselves, you know what, if I buy them something, maybe it's a child that you have and you just know something's not right. And you're saying, well, maybe if I buy them a car or maybe if I, if I give them a charge card or maybe if I get them, you know, a cell phone or maybe if I do this, that's the American way. We want to treat the symptoms. We want to just deal with the outside. But if you're dealing with the outside and the problems on the inside, it won't change anything. In this particular case, the guy was out of control, so they figured that the answer was control. Now, I think that happens in our lives today. We have someone who is out of control, and we determine that we're going to push them down. We're going to shoehorn them in to a lifestyle that we demand for them. But, you know, when you try to fix the outside and the problems on the inside, it doesn't work at all. Third lesson that I draw from this story, and this is what's so big for you and me, You don't have to run howling through a graveyard to be out of control. You you can be wearing an Armani suit and be out of control. You could have a six-figure-year job and be out of control. If interacting with people for 30 years has taught me anything, it's taught me that. I've watched people who on the outside seem to have everything together. They made good money. They live in nice homes. They drove nice automobiles. They had a nice family. But deep on the inside... Something was very wrong. And it may be you today. You may look the part of a normal person, but on the inside, you are totally out of control. Something is broken. Something hidden is governing your life. And you can sort of like control it most of the time, but every once in a while, whatever's hidden that governs you comes out in behavior. And it leaves people scratching their heads. And your, your wife is saying, where did that come from? Or your husband is saying, I don't think I know you anymore. Or your your parents are saying, are you my child? I mean, something's wrong here. There's something hidden that's motivating you. So my question today for all of us is, what do you do when you're there? When you've got hidden pain, a hidden marking in your life that is governing you, and you feel it come out, and you know you're not right, and maybe you haven't been right for a long time, how do you deal with that? Here's what I want us to think about today. Most people try to deal with it by saying, you know what, it's never going to change. Here's where where we go wrong when we think that way. We, We look back at whatever hurt us and we say, it can't be undone. It's affected me. And so therefore, I'm always going to be this way. That would be true if there were no God who loves you. But there is a God who loves you. And my point today is, Whatever that pain is that is motivating you, that's governing your life, here's the first thing. It can be okay. I mean, by the grace of God, it can be okay. You say, but Mark, I'm always going to be this way. No, 
It can be okay. If something hidden is hurting, if you have a pain in your past that is governing your life, it does not have to be that way. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, would you at least just get that? I don't have to live the way I'm living. This does not have to keep affecting my marriage. It does not have to keep affecting my relationship with my kids. This does not have to govern my career anymore. It can be, by the grace of God, okay. So I want you just to accept that. Now we'll go to number two. Here's the second thing that you need to know. And that's this. This is a big one. You're not alone. You know, when, you're, when you've got something on the inside that's hidden and it's hurting and it's governing your life, the next feeling is isolation. I've, I've met people who've come into the church and, you know, after a while they would sort of open up with me as their pastor and they would say, Mark, I'm dealing with something and, and I know I'm the only one here in the church who's dealing with this, but wow, this happened to me when I was 10 years old and and I just feel terrible. When I come into church, I just think, man, I've got this red target painted on me, and I'm the only one here. And I'm thinking to myself, I know 30 other people who are dealing with the same thing. So I just want to tell you, if you're here today and you're struggling with some pain that's in your past, and you've got a hidden marking on your soul, and you feel like you're the only one, could I just let you know that in a church this size, you are not the only one who is going through that problem. There are other people here who feel the same thing. And that leads me to the next thing. This church will help you. I've been in churches before, you know, that you had to be perfect, kind of, to fit into park. I was in, and I started to name the city, but I won't name it. Last fall, I was in this church. The reason I won't name it is this church has a massive national television ministry. And it probably has many, many good features. But I remember I walked in, and it just sort of weirded me out when I walked in. I mean, I was dressed. I had my suit and tie on because I sort of knew it was a traditional church. But I walked in, and it was like all the guys there were sort of parading around in front of each other. And that kind of got me a a little bit worried. But they were all dressed up in suits. And then they were going around saying, and the word, they were all saying this to each other. They're saying, man, you look sharp today. You look sharp today. And they'd go around straightening each other's ties and pulling on each other's jackets. And it just got to me. I mean, that's what they were saying. Man, you're looking sharp today. Oh, you're looking sharp today. And I'm thinking, listen, we have come here to worship the living God. What does looking sharp have to do with anything? But I heard it over and over. Image, 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 image. And what really made me sad was I realized there was a day when we had a little touch of that ourselves. Here's what's wrong in a situation like that. It has nothing to do with what you wear. I, hey, listen, if you like suit and ties, if you like jeans, whatever, that's not a problem for me either way, any direction. But when there's an issue where, you know, you go to church and you can't let anybody know what's hidden and what's hurting and you have to keep it suppressed because you're afraid if I let people know what I'm dealing with, my image is going to be wrecked in the church. The problem with that is that it'll always come out in the ugliest kind of way. Because I assure you, this is a smaller service than our 11 o'clock service, and because of the holiday weekend, it's probably quite a bit smaller than normal. But even in this service today, with as many of us who are gathered here, I can tell you what, every one of us has something that's hidden, that's hurting, and that's governing our lives in a bad way. Every one of us does, including this guy right here. We all know the stories from time to time about religious leaders, pastors who fall into moral sin, and it just, you know, it, it, 
wounds everybody when that happens. Why do religious leaders fall into sin? Why do guys who do what I do as a, as a leader, as a communicator, as a pastor, why every once in a while do we hear about some guy like that who falls into the sin of adultery or something like that? I'll tell you what it is. It's just that somewhere along the way, here was a guy with an image to protect, and he couldn't get close to anybody, and he couldn't let people get close to him, and he maintained this image. He had hidden stuff in him that was hurting, that was governing his life, but he never could be who he was, and finally it came out in the worst kind of way. I just want to tell you today at New Spring, whatever it is that's hidden, that's hurting, we're not going to free. I mean, it's not going to try. Listen, we want you to come in. We're going to love you no matter what. This is a church that's not into image. This is a church who will care about you. This is a church who will be there for you. This is a church who will love you no matter what. In fact, we want you to be the real and the authentic person. Third thing I want you to realize this morning is that Jesus can deal with whatever your problem is. You have no problem in your life that Jesus cannot deal with. You know, nobody ever came to Jesus, and in in we, we were in the Gospel of Mark this morning, but there are four books about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the stories of the people who came to him. Nobody ever came to Jesus only to hear him say, I don't know what to do for you. I can't do anything for you. you. Your problem's too big for me. You find me one place where Jesus said, hey, I can't deal with that. I can show you a guy who had a thousand demons in him probably. I can show you a woman who'd been married five times and was living with a man who wasn't her husband. I can show you a tax cheat who was stealing from everybody in town. I can show you a man who was hanging on a Roman cross who said he deserved to be hanging on a Roman cross. I can show you all kinds of people with all kinds of issues who came to Jesus and Jesus took care of them. And I'm telling you today, you don't have a problem so dark, so ugly, that Jesus cannot take care of. In fact, the reason why I chose this story today, I mean, nobody here has this guy's issues. This story shows us that nobody's problems are too big for God. So you followed me all through this message today, and you're thinking about something that's hidden, that's hurting, that's governing your life, and you're saying, okay, Mark, I'm ready to turn. You said it could be okay. It can be. There are three things, three decisions you need to make today. And I'm not just into threes today. I mean, this is just kind of how things are going. There are three choices. And I want to really stress choices because you, if you say, well, Mark, I'm just going to pray for God to take it away. Prayer is a wonderful thing. But you've got to make three choices if you want to be free from the pain in your past that's governing your life, that's causing people to scratch their heads. Here's number one. Here's number one. You must be real. You must be authentic. You must come to God and say, God, this is my problem. He knows it already, but you need to be authentic with God. You need to be your real self. I mean, to think more highly of yourself than you, than you really are, that's narcissism. To think less of yourself than you really are, that's self-deprecation. God doesn't want you to do either one. God wants you to come to him and be the authentic person and be the person, own up to whatever's wrong in your life. I mean, tell God about it. He can handle it. I mean, you can say to God, God, you know I messed up. You know what happened to me when I was five years old, and I've never been right since. God, you know that relationship that broke up. You know 
that husband who walked out on me. You know that wife who cheated on me. God, you know that problem, that deception that was in my life, and you know I've never been right since that time. Come to God and be who you really are and just open up before him. I mean, it's so hard to go in those rooms sometimes, but it's okay to go in there with God. Maybe there are people who would push you away if they found out the ugliness that's in your life. Or maybe if they found the ugliness that's in your lifestyle. But it's okay. Take the Lord Jesus with you into that room and open up your heart and say, Lord, here's the ugliness. This is what's wrong. This is what's been broken all these years. This is the ugly skull and crossbones that's been tattooed on my soul. But I'm opening opening it up and I'm bringing it to you because you never turned anybody away and you're always able to help people. So, Lord, here it is. And for people like you and me who've grown up in church, there's another deal with the authenticity that we have to think about because many of us grew up with good habits being instilled in our lives. Thank God for those good habits. But every once in a while, that can threaten the authenticity of our lives. Listen, if you really want to be authentic with God, go home and think about two things. Go home and think about what you wouldn't do if you didn't have to and what you would do if you could get by with it. Because when you get the answer to those two questions, you know who the authentic self is. And bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's hidden, this is what's hurting, I'm bringing it to you. I don't know what to do with it. I've tried to live with it for 40 years, and I'm not getting any better, and it's messing up my marriage, and it's messing up my kids, and it's messing up my family, and it just messes up all my relationships at work, and people want, they want to know what's wrong, and they can't figure it out, and I can't tell them, but Lord, I'm bringing it to you, and I'm laying it before you in all of its ugliness. Here's the second thing that you need to do, is you need to accept God's perspective on whatever's gone wrong in your life. If you've got patterns of behavior in your life that are wrong, accept God's perspective. Many times we have hidden pain that comes from a lifestyle of sin in our lives, and we don't want to get honest about it because we don't think we can ever change. Many people are doing things that are wrong, but they won't come to God and say, God, I know it's wrong, because they don't know what can, you know, what'll ever change. But before God can help you, you have to come to him and say, Lord, I accept your perspective on it. I'm doing something that's wrong. I've been messing up my life for a long time, and I'm bringing it to you. And you said I can bring anything to you, and you won't turn me away. Or accept God's perspective on what's been done to you and say, Lord, I was abused. I was molested. Lord, you you know that's wrong, and you're going to deal with the person who did wrong, but I choose to forgive, and I'm leaving that person to you, and I want to move on with my life and trust you to make things right in my life. You know, when you accept God's perspective, you're accepting his viewpoint of what's wrong, and you're accepting his chosen cure in your life. I had, a, I had a great doctor for many years, and his name is Walt Reason. Walt's with the Lord now. And he came to, to Messiah New Spring for a long time. And in fact, he'd sit there, and, um, and in the old building, he, he sat in the same place. And he was just a great friend. And he did many, many kind things for me and my family. But I remember one time in particular, a long time ago, we used to go to this wretched youth camp. And there was this, it didn't have a swimming pool. It had this kind of stream that ran through the camp. And, 
And there were some wonderful older leaders in the camp, but they thought, this is how camp was when we were little. This is how it should be today. The only problem was the water had gotten really bad. And we, I, I was swimming in this water, and I got the worst case of strep I think I ever had. And I'm susceptible to that. But I just really got a bad case of strep. This has probably been 16, 17 years ago. And I finally went to see Walt. And Walt said to me, after he examined me, he said I had strep. He said, ordinarily I give an oral medication. But he said, I'm not going to do that. And I noticed that he had a shot with him. And he said, I'm giving you this shot for two reasons. He said, number one, what is in this syringe is powerful, powerful stuff. And tomorrow you will feel better. The second reason I'm giving you this shot is I want to hear you preach Sunday. That was the last thing I heard before he said, bend over. <laughs> I, I got that shot. I drove home. I was sitting in my, in my recliner, and it was a Wednesday afternoon, if I remember right. I decided I was going to sneak in the back of the worship center in the old building so that I wouldn't get close to anybody and be contagious, but I kind of wanted to just sit there and sit through the service. We had a guest speaker that night. That was my plan, but I was sitting there in my living room, and all of a sudden it was like everybody got further and further and further away. And I just crashed. And I went to sleep. But I'll tell you what, when I woke up the next morning, I felt perfect. For years, I asked Walt, what did you give me? And he'd just smile and say, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I didn't ask him what was in that syringe for two reasons. Number one, I regarded him as the best doctor in the city. And number two, I knew he loved me. And when he said, this is what you need, I said, okay, doc, because he's the best doctor in town, and I knew he loved me. Guys, they don't call him the great physician for nothing because Jesus is the best doctor in the universe, and you know he loves you. And if you'll come to him today and say, Lord, this is what's hidden, and this is what's hurting, and you know I've never been right, And I'm telling you I'm wrong. And I'm telling you I'm all messed up on the inside. And this is the dysfunction. This is the sin. This is the hurt. This is the pain. I don't know what to do with it. But the Bible says you're the great physician. And I'm coming to you today. And I'm telling you, you're right. And whatever you want to do is okay. If you will do that, you will be on your way to getting rid of that hidden marking that's governing your life. Oh, yes, and there's one more thing. Remember, there were three. Here's the big one you got to do it now. you got to get started now. Because what scares me about a message like this is that you and I will hear it and we'll say, hmm, I think Mark might have been on to something this morning. I'm going to think about this for a few days. Now, guys, listen to me. Just as you have a God who loves you, you have a supernatural enemy who hates you, and he messes with our minds. And he'll come along to you and he'll say, what makes you think that you're ever going to change? How can an invisible God deal with pain that's so loud and so screaming in your life? How do you know that's going to work? And the longer you get away from making a decision to do the two things I just talked to you about, the more likely it'll never happen. So what I'm asking you to do today is when you think about where that pain and that hurt is today, I'm asking you to take that right now. And open your heart to the Lord, to the great physician, and say, Lord, this is it. This is the ugliness. This is the abuse. This is the molestation. This is the anger. This is the shame. This is the rejection. 
this is the bad behavior, this is the sin in my life that has messed me up for so long, and I'm tired of it messing with my relationships. I'm opening my heart to you. I'm bringing it out. I'm saying this is here. This is what it is. Whatever your word says about it, it is right. It is true, and I trust you. You are the great physician. I'm coming to you right now. I want this to happen in my life right now. And I can promise you that the same supernatural God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who touched this man, who was so messed up, will touch you immediately. It takes God to do the supernatural things. Only God can do the supernatural things. We're here as a church, as a community, to help you. And there may be some, you will need physicians or Christian professionals, health professionals, to help you fill in the gaps. But I'm telling you today, any one of us who is here can start a journey right now to being free and to being whole and to being healed from those hidden markings that govern our lives and leave people scratching their heads. Would you pray with me, please? I don't usually do this, but I just, you know, this do it, that do it now part is causing me to do what I'm about to do. So I'm going to ask for just a moment of anonymity. Could I ask you, get you please to just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes? You could be here today, you could have heard this message, and you could say, Mark, I've made the choice. I'm going to bring it to the Lord. I'm going to tell him this is where I'm hurting. I'm going to trust his judgment, and I'm ready to do it now. And I'm so concerned about you doing it now, nailing it down, I'm going to ask you to do something. If that's you today, and you said, Mark, I'm making that choice, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand and let me see it for a moment? And I want to pray for you today. Would you? Yeah, oh man, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's pray. Lord, I can't even see all the hands. The lights are in the way. But I saw a lot, and you saw everyone, but most of all, you know every heart. And right now, there are people that are lifting hurt and wounding up to Jesus. Father, I've promised this, this congregation today that Jesus is the great physician, and I know he is. Lord, may they feel his touch. May we accept your perspective. We don't, we don't want to get in the way of your healing today, so whatever it is that you want to do in our lives... You're the great physician. We trust you. And Father, I pray that you'll bring healing on those who have raised their hands today. Help us as, this, as New Spring Church to be a community that never turns anyone away, that never pushes anyone away, no matter what the hurt or the pain is. I pray for this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Could we just stay with heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment? The Bible says, that life starts over when Jesus comes into our lives. Eternal life, the new birth, doesn't happen because you join a church or because you do good things. We're saved only by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He hung on that cross. They nailed him there, and he, he hung for six hours, and the blood that came out of his body became a payment for every wrong thing we've ever done. But that's not the end of the story. After they put him in the grave, three days later, he walked out of the grave and he's alive, and I'm telling you right now, he can hear everything you can say. He can even know every thought you think. He is God Almighty. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. 
and he loves you more than, listen, think about the person who loves you the most and multiply that by infinity, and that is how much Jesus loves you. He so desperately wants you to go to heaven. He so desperately wants you to spend eternity with him. That's why he hung on a cross. He even made it free. You don't do anything. You don't pay anything to have a relationship with God. It's free. You just ask for it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, the Bible says you believe in your heart what I just told you, that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the grave. And you receive him. You invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. So if you've never done that, I'm going to give you a chance to pray with me. You can pray your own prayer if you wish, or I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can repeat the words after me. What God cares about is that you mean it from your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Save me. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got a worship guide when you came in today. It's got a perforation at the bottom. If you prayed with me to receive Jesus, would you just like detach that card and check the box that says, Mark, I prayed to receive Jesus. That's the first step of following him is to make it public. There's some boxes back by the doors back there, and you can just detach this card, drop in those boxes, leave an address on there, if you will, where I can mail you something, because if you accepted Christ, I want to mail you three easy-to-understand books this week that will help you get started to follow Jesus. There are also questions that you can ask about our church. So again, you can look at this before you leave. In a few moments, we'll be receiving the offering. But you know, of course, this is a wonderful, special weekend in the life of our year. You know, America is the greatest nation, I believe, in the history of the world. And I'm thankful to be an American. You are here today, largely because there were men and women who were willing to pay the ultimate price for your freedom. You know, when you go to a Civil War cemetery or a national cemetery and you see the grave markings of men and women who gave their lives for you, you realize that our freedom was paid for with a high price. And we, tomorrow we celebrate Memorial Day. So in line with that, would you take a look at this? Because I think it helps us understand the great cost that was paid. How do you honor someone who risks their life to defend your freedom? How do you remember the thousands who gave their lives fighting for our independence? Whose blood was spilled in foreign lands? Kids who had their whole lives in front of them. And how do you pay tribute to the soldiers who defend us today? Maybe we start by just saying thanks. Today we celebrate and honor those brave men and women for their service to this great country that we call America. Thank you. We certainly need to pray, don't we? You know, yesterday there were eight more young Americans who gave their lives for our country, and, and we just we need to pray for them all the time. We're going to receive our offering now. Our ushers are going to come forward.
And if you want to participate, if you've got tithes and offerings or envelopes in the pew right in front of you. But as our ushers are coming, I'd like for us to join for just a moment of prayer to pray for those who are defending our freedom today. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we come to you today, and our hearts go out to the service men and women and their families who are in harm's way on our behalf today. We pray for their safety. We pray for their security. And Lord, we pray that as American citizens that we will stand behind them and love them and pray for them as we truly should. Thank you for those who have been willing to pay the ultimate cost for our freedom. Thank you for the families who were willing to give them up, the wives who sacrificed their husbands and parents who gave their children away for the cause of freedom in America. Lord, may we never forget. We're thankful for the grace and the bounty that you placed upon our nation, but help us not to appreciate it cheaply. And then, Lord, I pray that you will help those of us who live in freedom to maximize the opportunities that have been afforded us. We pray that we will use every opportunity to live out the life of Jesus before people and that most of all we will share the life-changing good news of salvation. We ask your blessings upon this offering. Thank you for those who give sacrificially. Father, for those who are obedient in the matter of the tithe, you said that we can't outgive you and we believe that and you've proven that to us time and time again. Now receive our gifts like you received the bread from the little boy. Multiply our gifts so that they go off the charts in their effect. And Father, we wait for the blessings that you pour out on us. In Jesus' name, amen.